Are you ready for the most ridiculous internet sports show you have ever seen? Welcome to React, home of the most outrageous and hilarious videos the web has to offer. So join me, Rocky Theus, and my co-host, Raiders Pro Bowl defensive end, Max Crosby, as we invite your favorite athletes, celebrities, influencers, entertainers in for an episode of games, laughs, and of course, the funniest reactions to the wildest web clips out there. Catch Reacts on YouTube, and that is Reacts, R-E-A-X-X. Don't miss it. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Regressing to the mean since 2015, it's the Hockey PDO Cast with your host, Dmitry Filipovich. Welcome to the Hockey PDO Cast. My name is Dmitry Filipovich, and uh, joining me is, uh, is, our, is our goalie guy, Nick Mercadante. Nick, what's going on, man? Hey, Dimitri. How are you? I'm good. Good. I'm, uh, I'm excited to chat. We've been planning this for a while. You've been uh, busy with work and traveling and American Thanksgiving and all that sort of stuff. So finally got a, minute, yeah. got a, got a few minutes to, uh, to come chat about goalies with me. Yeah, I, I try not to let too much get in the way of... Uh my thanksgiving i actually had i think three thanksgivings because we had relatives and just went a little overboard so i don't know how they do it in canada but it's like uh it's a pretty festive affair here <laughs> yeah i believe it um all right let's uh let's, let's get right into it because it's been a while since we chatted i feel like uh the last time we did a show together we did our uh like top 10 list for goalies and that was right around the start of the season so it's been a while um i, th- I think the the, the interesting sort of guy that we didn't really talk about when we did that top 10, but is at the top of pretty much every list right now in terms of performance is, uh, is Devin Dubnik. Um, are you, uh, are, are you, are you sold on Dubnik or are you kind of skeptical? I thought you were going to make a joke and say Steve Mason. <laughs> well, he's been playing better. We can, we can get to Steve Mason later, but I feel like, uh, all right. All right. Hey, save, save it, save, um, save it for a bit. Yeah, 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 I get it. So, yeah, yeah, we didn't talk about Devin Dubnik. Um, is it Dubnik or Dubnik? I never know. Uh, let's go Dubnik. I think it's Dubnik, right? Yeah, All right, Dubnik. we're going with Dubnik. Yeah. So, so yeah, he's, um, you know, I, he's interesting because uh, he obviously had this kind of coming out party um, a couple of years ago and, and people started, he, he put himself on the map because of his performance, um, later in his tenure with Arizona and then his, his trade to Minnesota where he really, um, just kind of hit the ground running and, and, and kept that performance going for a sustained period of time. And he definitely, I, I think a couple of years ago was put himself in, at least in the discussion as a top 10, to top 15 NHL goalie, but nobody was sure if it was just smoke and mirrors, like a hot run, or if it was something sustainable. Um, last year, he he took a little bit of a step back, and I said, okay, this is probably 
more of what he actually is. I guess to say that the fanfare a couple years ago, you know, it may have just been that he hit a hot streak and it was kind of the, the peak of what he can be, but his truer self was um, not, certainly not the lows that he experienced, you know, towards the end of his tenure in Edmonton and, and then when he got traded around. Um, but probably before that in Edmonton, when he was certainly a capable goalie, but not a um, you know world class goaltender. Um, last year, I, I thought kind of confirmed that. Um, but now I don't know because here we are, uh, you know, about twenty five games into the season, and he's uh, he's kind of putting distance between himself and every goalie not named. Carey Price in terms of his performance. So, right. um, so I don't know. You know, it's it's interesting. Well, I think I think Dubnik's a, a fascinating case because um, I might be misremembering, but I feel like he's like one of the first guys that really kind of sold me on looking at five on five performance for goalies as being like more predictive of, of future. Uh, individual performance because I remember like during those years in Edmonton uh, people would always bash him obviously there'd be like the wins crowd and they'd be like oh he's not even winning any games and he had like a high goals against but if you like looked a little deeper at the save percentage especially at five on five I remember he always used to be like slightly above league average maybe even a little bit better and that sort of you know suggested that he was probably just kind of being a little bit unlucky with sort of the circumstance and everything going on around him. And I remember that you know they kept trying to make like Nikolai Habibulin be a thing, and they'd like split starts all the time, and never really committed yes. to him. And then he went to Arizona. I mean, actually, he was traded first. I feel like to like Nashville, and he played for the AHL system or Montreal's AHL system or something like that, and didn't even really do really well, and and had to sort of sign a prove it contract with Arizona just as sort of a a flyer that they took on him and, and it paid off. And, you know, like he, he's, he's, he's interesting just because if you look at his career as a whole, like he's constantly been somewhere around that, like nine fifteen to nine twenty range, which is really solid. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. obviously that, 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 sample that he had of just under 40 games when he went to Minnesota in the second half and was pretty much just like posting shutouts every night. No, I don't think anyone, I don't think even Devin Dudek himself would, would say that, you know, he was expecting that to continue, continue and that's his like true talent. But I mean, even if he settles into that sort of 918 range, 920, which he was last year, like it's pretty good. And, and I think that for Minnesota, they're got a bit fortunate with him, right? Cause I remember he was due for a new contract after that crazy hot run. And I was like, just cringing, thinking about what he'd get paid. And, and they gave him six years, which isn't optimal for any goalie really. But I mean, it's only like, right. it's like a $4.3 million cap hit or something like that. So I mean, basically, if he performs like this, it's going to wind up being a, a pretty reasonable bargain for them. And, and I don't, he hasn't really shown any reason for us to suspect that, that, you know, he's going to completely fall off regardless of what people might say about his performance in Edmonton. Yeah. And I, I actually, I actually thought that that was kind of an eminently reasonable contract for him, even though the term was long, Mm -hmm. you, you, you look at the, 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 you know, the, the annual salary and you go, well, you know, so, so what? So on the back end of it, you might not be, be getting your $4.3 million worth. That's not the end of the world, uh, in, in terms of what, um, what teams are paying goalies and especially starting goalies who are either in their prime or thereabouts, um, or even, you know, starting goaltenders who have fallen out of their prime. Um, you look at how many, you know, numerous contracts where you're, you're giving a goalie, um, that at least that, um, AAV 
in, in, uh, in whether they're in their prime or not. So um, I, I saw that contract and I said, eh, okay, that, that's, that's fine. Um, I certainly, I, I, I think it was even more reasonable because it, it could have been easy to fall completely in love with that stretch that he had in, in when he first came to Minnesota yep. and say, oh my God, this, you know, it's kind of like the lightning kind of fell in love with Bishop a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. Um, that sort of thing. Um, but I, I don't, I, I, you know, I don't, I think they gave him a reasonable deal um, considering everything. You know, what the thing that really did work against Dubnik um, in that, that, um, in, in signing that contract is the, the perception of him prior to getting to Minnesota was all out of whack. And you're right. It, a lot of it had to do with in Edmonton, he just didn't get a fair shake. Mm-hmm. And if you really looked at the underlying five on five numbers, he was pretty darn good. And he, it's not like, you know, he certainly had that dip right towards the end and they panicked and moved him. Right. And then in Nashville, he was terrible, but you know, he didn't really get a, I mean, how many games did he play for Nashville? Yeah, two. If, yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, uh, throw that away. Uh, and then he kind of got himself back on track in Arizona and set himself up for for um, for that trade to Minnesota and the rest is history. But, you know, it worked against him that, that Edmonton kind of uh, ruined the perception of him. Because when he came up, uh, before he um, even played a game for Edmonton, he was very highly touted. Uh, and there was a lot of belief that he was going to be a, a true all-star goaltender. I don't know that it never materialized because of him or ma- never materialized because of the circumstances in Edmonton and, you know, A, that he was getting caved in every night, but B, that he was kind of getting jerked around in, t- in terms of um, playing time and his his role with the club uh, or the confidence they had in him. So uh, he is um, – he's an interesting case. I, I think he, uh, you know – He's certainly a, a, a very good goaltender. Um, I wouldn't put him in that elite top 10 cat- category, although here we are, like I said, uh, you know, um, a quarter of the way through the season, and he's really been lights out. So, Yeah, yeah I mean, 946 save percentage in nearly 20 games now, and it's like he's bank those good performances like it's funny how right. sort of perception and, and timing work though because let's say that you know he just constantly was just stopping like 92 percent of the shots he faced pretty much every night uh people would just be like you know just discussing like you'd never like really say anything like overly glowing about him or you'd never you know be like oh this guy's a clear regression candidate like it's, it's just one of those things where you just kind of just like wouldn't even take notice of it but now that he started off super hot just sort of like the law of averages and how this stuff generally tends to work like he's probably going to have a rough stretch where he doesn't look very good. And then there's inevitably going to be people that come out of the woodwork and be like, aha, I knew it. Devin Dubnik actually isn't that good. It's like, right. Sometimes this is just how it works. Like, I I think that, you know, I'm sure that he's not complaining right now. I'm sure he's like, yeah, okay, whatever. Like I'll, I'll bank the 946 right now and we'll see what happens the next 20 games. But it's just funny. Like the, the timing of it can really skew the way sort of the narrative regarding how a player is playing. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see also. I mean, look, Minnesota is not going to run away with the division or anything like that. But if you remember last year, uh, Holtby did the same sort of thing. He started off incredibly hot, you know, through probably the end of November going into December, um, if my memory is is uh, accurate. Um, he was performing at an insanely high level. And then he, he tailed off, but nobody noticed because... 
um, the Capitals had banked all those wins, and they were, um, uh, you know, kind of a shoe-in in terms of, of what they were going to be in, in the standings. And everybody said, well, Holtby is the Vezina candidate, you know, and he just rode that hot start all the way through the finish, even though he had a, he had a real dip in the quality of his performance through uh, December, January, and February at least. And then he kind of picked it back up in March. So um, I, I don't know if Dubnik's going to be the same sort of thing. Um, he's certainly in this kind of rarefied air that um, it's hard to maintain that type of performance, but um, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, he's he has, I was just looking, he's got um, 10, so almost half, over half of his qualifying starts, mm-hmm. he has over a 0.6 uh, Mercad, which is, if you know anything about the, the, how the stat goes, nobody finishes over 0.5 for the season and he's average now he's average he's in that range he's at 0.55 and so going back almost 10 years now nobody's finished really over that threshold uh except except for tim thomas one season so that's the type of you know that's the type of start he's had i don't think he's going to maintain it just like i don't think Carey price is going to maintain where he's at um but that doesn't mean that they're that they they might be the two guys. They might be the two Vezina candidates. You know what I mean? Um, and both of them come back down to earth, but they're still so far ahead, and they bank so many good starts that you kind of can't ignore them for those type of accolades. Yeah, yeah. Now the bottom would really have to fall off on, on those guys for them to like come back. Well, and yeah. those averages that we'd expect heading into the year, just because of how well they've been playing. But like, it, it's it's interesting because. You look at the list of uh, of five on five save percentage leaders, and there's like a handful of guys, uh, at least like above league average, that I feel like we should quickly touch on, just because like I haven't been too kind to them in in the past like year or two, uh, especially like during the time I've been doing this podcast. And and I don't want to be one of those people that like you know gloats when I get something right and then just like pretends like nothing <laughs> ever happened when when I uh, when I get it wrong. And like listen, like a guy like Jimmy Howard, for example, obviously now he's out with injury, and I think that regardless of how the first month or so played out this season, like I think both of us are still bigger fans of Petter Mrazek than, than Howard. But like, I thought he was yeah. pretty, he was pretty cooked uh, last year. He, he, he did not look very good. And, and Mrazek justifiably stole that job from him, but he's looked amazing this year. Now the, now the big question with him is this is a pretty growing list of uh, lower body injuries and soft, soft, soft tissue stuff that he's had. So, you know, if I was like, Vegas, for example, and I was looking and thinking about maybe uh, claiming him as the, as the guy to be my goalie next season. Like I'd be scared off by that, but we should give uh, his early season performance some love. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I think he's you know he's he's shown very well early in the season, and and that's a great thing. And I've, I've uh, read some stuff and heard some stuff from uh, from some goalie coaches that I've talked to that he worked really hard in the off season to get himself prepared for. Uh, this kind of new role that he's in where he's not a starter he's he's um you know probably uh, you know would be considered the backup or at best in a you know in a true timeshare type of thing um so he's shown well um in that and that's not easy for goalies to do especially ones that you know earlier in the career were used to having a starter's gig um but he's he's been able to do it at least early in the season. And that's that's good. But you know you got to keep in mind it's it's a small sample size. Yep. Uh, we're talking 
you know, I think 11 appearances, nine starts, something like that, nine Mm -hmm. or 10 starts. So, um, you know, all things considered (laughs) that can change fast. That's just the life of a goalie. But, um, but he, he, he certainly, he's been the better of the two goalies early, early in the season. Mrazic's starting to pick it up now. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering if, um, being unencumbered from, you know, direct competition is helping Mrazic focus mentally. I don't know the answer to that, but it certainly helps a lot of goalies. Um, you know, like I mentioned, Steve Mason, having ha- some some goalies just don't deal well with the competition and the fear of a timeshare, you know, uh, um, not knowing their schedule, whatever it may be. Um, so maybe Mrazic was one of those guys. He's certainly starting to pick it up now, and it's it's interesting timing. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm like, listen, it's one of those things where, uh, I, I hate kind of speculating on stuff like this because we just like, it's impossible to really quantify it. And I generally try to restrict my analysis to stuff that I can sort of visualize or actually see and be like, okay, that makes sense. Like there's a reason why this is happening. And like all this sort of intangible stuff gets thrown around way too frequently mm-hmm. by people who just don't have a better answer. And rather than, you know, no one wants to hear like, read an article or or turn on their TV and hear someone who's supposed to be quote unquote, the expert of the craft be like, I have no idea what's going on here. It's like, that's not a very satisfying thing to, to, to hear from someone, but like, it definitely makes sense that just from a human element, um, you know, it must be kind of jarring for some guys to like, if you're, if you are sort of in a, in a timeshare with another goalie and like, you know, that every time you give up a goal or have a bad game, you're just like looking over thinking whether you just blew your chance and you might not start for the next like five, five games. Like I, I imagine that it definitely plays into it for some guys. Totally. Totally. I, you know, I've coached goalies and, and I've talked to goalies. I, I am a goalie. So, um, it's, one of those things that I've kind of gleaned out of all those experiences is, look, I've said it a million times, goalies are, goalies are snowflakes. Uh, they come with all different uh, types of personalities and, and things that uh, motivate them or, um, you know, um, cause issues with their motivation or their confidence or whatever it may be. I think certain goaltenders are, are built for, for certain types of roles and, um, you know, maybe with some guy yeah it's it, you know it's always risky to speculate okay you know maybe Mrazek is this guy who he's going to do great with or he's going to do better with 65 starts uh than he's going to do with 40 starts or, or whatever the case may be mm-hmm. um you want to base your decision your decisions on data but ultimately the people that are close to the goaltenders um, you know, the goalie coach, the, the coaching staff, the front office, uh, they do have, have to do some kind of due diligence on, on these guys to see, you know, just to, to, to at least try to get a read on it because you don't have time to play that out. Um, uh, you know, you could run the risk. You could try to play that out for a whole season, blow your season because you think that a guy is just going to get it together given, you know, a starter's role and you give him a starter's role and he doesn't get it together. Um, so, so it is worth analyzing and it's probably worth analyzing in more of a scientific, scientific, uh, sort of way. Um, I, I do, I'm, I'm always interested in seeing teams where they, they actually do bring in the sports psychologists and things like that to, to um, you know, try to get a read on these guys, or 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 to try to to give these guys an opportunity to get a read on themselves. Um, I, I think that's 
you know, kind of an interesting social science area that's, you know, probably hasn't been tapped into the way it could be. Yeah. Yeah. And well, and it's an interesting point in terms of what you brought up about how like you can't really sometimes just afford to sit back and just wait for things to even out. I think we're seeing that play out in, in Toronto with the guy like Jonathan, Jonas Enroth, for example, right? Where it's like coming mm-hmm. into this year, I was... I thought it was a smart move. Like he's shown that he's a very capable backup in the NHL where he can play 20 to 30 games for you if need be and not totally melt down and, and, you know, ruin everything for everyone else around him. And there's, that's a valuable commodity. There's definitely teams using backup goalies who do not fit that description. And so I thought it was a perfectly fine move. And he has an 872 save percentage in four starts this year. And now it sounds like they're, you know, they waved him. They're probably going <laughs> to give that role to Kari Ramo, who um very skeptical is is a legitimate NHL goalie but like it's it's one of those things where it's easy for us to be like well I'm pretty sure if you start Jonas Enroth four more times he will not have an 872 save percentage but if you're like the team and you're part of it and you've seen how bad he's played in those games like it's really tough to with any confidence just keep trotting him Mm -hmm. out there right especially like there is some sort of like accountability I imagine like you know, the other guys on the team must be like, oh man, like this guy's starting again. Like we better score like five or six goals tonight or we're not going to win. And it's like all of this stuff factors into it. And generally on the show, we don't really uh, acknowledge those sorts of things because they are sort of those intangible qualities that we can't really quantify, but it is worth mentioning. Well, it's, you know, there's, there's, there's so many things at play with the goalies, with Babcock's goalies. Um, first of all, I think it's worth mentioning, you know, if Enroth is in a true backup role, you you figure he's going to get, let's call it 20 starts, right? Um, You know, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less, I don't know, 20, 25 starts. Um, So he's gone through four and he's been terrible. Do you want to give him another four or five more sporadic starts and see if he figures that out? Um, I don't know, but what I do know is that when he was in, when he was in LA in a true backup role, he did great. Mm-hmm. He did phenomenal. Well, um, I mean, they're, they're like resuscitating like Peter Budai right now. So, I mean, like I wouldn't, I feel like LA is like up to well, some, up to some wild stuff there. Like, I know. And, in yeah. And well, he's not, he's not being resuscitated. <laughs> he's, he's, he's performing like the best Peter Budai Peter Budai can be. I, I didn't know. I didn't, I didn't even know like Peter Budai wasn't like even on my mind uh, six weeks yeah. ago, and then now he's, you know, I guess he is a, he is a nine oh nine save percentage. It's not like he's lighting the world on fire, I mean, he's, but like he's he's a work he's a workhorse starter. Dimitri. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> All the guy does is win. That's right. Yeah. I, well, so like okay, so like a guy like Peter Budai, you you know that their front office, or, or we can assume that their front office is saying, look. Just don't kill us, and we'll do the rest, right? And so he's pretty much done that. So if you use my loss threshold percentage stat, which I'm not going to get into with an expl- a huge explanation, but it basically measures consistency of performance, he's at 32%. The league average this year is 34%. So he's if you're under that, lower is better in that stat, yep. he's not killing them. On a night-to-night basis, he's pretty consistently, meh, okay, right? He's not winning games for them, but he's not killing them. So I think he's giving them what they want. With Enroth, it's a different type of situation because he's a backup. And they probably all, again, they they want the same thing out of him. They just don't want to get killed by him in that backup role. But it's a different sort of team. Toronto can't afford to give away a bunch of 
wins. I mean, if they truly want to be competitive and be a, a playoff team, which it seems like they're trying to be that. I mean, it's Babcock. I can't imagine he's not trying to be that, right? Yeah, but Nick, I uh-huh. mean, if you're if you're a front office and you're looking for consistency from your starting goalie, are you really giving Jonathan Quick a ten year extension? Well, they that's but that's <laughs> <laughs> that's a different issue. Is yes. evaluation? You know, th- their evaluation is off. Not uh, you know, their heart's in the right place. I think they just don't know what they're you know what they're looking at. Yeah. Um, but but so in Toronto though, really what they're looking for out of a backup goalie is they're looking for the same thing that they're looking out of Budai as a starter. But in the backup role, they're just looking for a guy who's not going to kill them when they throw him in there and they give Anderson some rest. The problem is that Enroth started off with four real bad ones right in a row, and Babcock is really fickle with his goalies. So he just ba- I think he basically said, well, that's enough. I've seen enough. Find me somebody who's not going to lose a game for me when I throw him in there. Um, now is Ramo going to be that guy? I don't know. Um, I'm pretty skeptical. I mean, he, it, it's funny because I think people forget that like, he was in the NHL for a cup of coffee and then he went to the KHL and he posted good numbers yeah. and he came back and people, I remember people were excited about him in Calgary and it just like never materialized. Like he was like a sub nine ten save percentage guy. And, and I just like, I don't, I, he hasn't really shown us any reason to believe that he's no. going to be that, that guy at this point. Right. Like he's funny too, because he's another one of those guys where, um, when you, so somebody today was like, well, what is Kari Rama, like 25 or 26? And I was like, uh, you, you might want <laughs> to check his Wikipedia. Nobody realizes he's 30 years old. Yeah. Like, he's not, this isn't like some kid who's been kicking around and he's just waiting for a shot or something like that. Like, he's gotten his, his chances. Now, what I'll say about Ramo, so over the past three seasons, his ceiling is extremely low. His ceiling is one of the lowest of, of a guy who's gotten a threshold number of starts in the past three seasons. Um, so he's certainly not a high-end goalie. But over that span of time, he's done okay in terms of just performing slightly below league average. He doesn't bomb out all the time he certainly doesn't perform above league average hardly at all um so you kind of know what you're gonna get i i don't know know how else to describe it like he's gonna come in and he's gonna be he he won't absolutely kill you but he certainly isn't gonna help you right so i don't i don't know if you really i mean there's got to be a better option especially and he's coming off injury too so man this is uh you're really te- teeing this one up for me in terms of a better option. Let's uh, let's talk about Andrew Hammond. Yeah, thank you. Yes, uh, <laughs> you really set that one up. Um, listen, I, I think Hammond is worth discussing just because um, he, just like we were talking about with Dubnik, he, he had a, a crazy hot run towards the end of a season. Uh, it, was, it was even shorter. I think it was like 24 games or so. And uh, I don't think that anyone really expected him to be that guy in terms of his true talent but i mean even last year he was a pretty respectable goalie and i think he's like a 914 guy in the same number of games and for whatever reason he uh he got waived and no one picked him up and i i find that curious just because 
I think it ties into this belief that I have that there's just like this confirmation bias when it comes to prospects and and players in the league where like it can't necessarily be that surprising that the same people who initially decided that Hammond wasn't worthy of being drafted or wasn't worthy of being given a chance in the NHL until he was 27 years old are now still skeptical about him, right? Because kind of admitting that, you know, buying in on him would just basically be admitting that you were kind of wrong the entire time. And while that's mm-hmm. generally a good way to do business, you don't, you, you got to understand how like opportunity costs and, and, and sunk costs work. Like it, a lot of these guys that are making the decisions are just like very reluctant to sort of uh, admit that they were wrong and think that way. So I, I guess it's not that surprising that he's kind of just sitting out there. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's exactly right. And you know, there's there are very very few examples of i i mean no doubt goal, goalies get drafted later than forwards on on the whole or defense forwards and defensemen and they don't come in uh, they don't necessarily come in with fanfare and they don't necessarily come in with these lofty expectations but they, you usually know pretty early on um in their development as professionals whether they're going to be a goalie that's going to get a real shot in the system um, and and is starting to have some kind of reputation as, you know, a potential future starting goalie, or if they're not. Um, teams don't really make, you know, uh, or teams, I should say, teams uh, kind of make that known. Um, Hammond was never that. Right. <laughs> Hammond was like a throwaway goalie who's just there to, to caddy other goalies, and um, he got his shot. By circumstance and quite frankly um he just ran with it like wow. that's all that really happened but you know there does come a certain point in time where you've got to put at least some stock in the results and um the fact that he was able to do do it with sporadic nhl time over the course of two seasons now granted of course you know other goalies have done this too cam talbot did it in new york um where he was way overshooting what he actually is in New York. And now he's kind of settled in as a league average goalie. Um, you know, it, it would have been, you know, surprising if he went to Edmonton and he just kept that level of play up. It would have meant he's an elite goalie, right? You know, I, I don't think, I don't think anybody's, I, I hope that nobody's saying, look, Andrew Hammond is this elite starter in disguise that we haven't, you know, been able that we have haven't given the shot. And, you know, I don't think that he's Tim Thomas. Yeah, maybe he is. I don't know, but he certainly isn't a guy that should be waived out of the NHL and not given another opportunity. And so it really blew my mind when nobody took a flyer on him um, when he got waived. He just seems like the perfect guy to say, "Hey, you know what? Let's throw him into the backup role and see how he does." especially for teams that were short on goaltending, like the Kings, um, you know, like now Toronto. Well, how about the um, fact that I, the team that waived him traded a draft pick to get Mike Condon? Like, yeah, that's just, that's just, just bad, bad asset management, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or something bizarre is going on. Hmm. I mean, I don't, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but holy shit. Maybe <laughs> I, I just don't understand. Maybe there's big, I just don't get it. Jokes. <laughs> sometimes it's maybe yeah i just like it might be that simple (laughs) it's 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 weird because like obviously you know hammond is frustrating because whenever you sort uh goalie stats by like over the past couple years or whatever he's like at the top of every list he's always at the top and just like it's like oh 
Carey Price, Tuka Rask, and Andrew Hammond. And then, like, you sort of have to, like, either, like, really raise the uh, the cutoff in terms of, like, sample size. Yeah. Or you just got to always provide, like, the sort of context. Like, listen, I'm not saying Andrew Hammond is uh, in the discussion with these guys, but he's on this list, and it would be disingenuous of me not to include him, so... It's funny. I mean, so in this this stat that I've been kicking around, this win threshold stat, which is a dis, it's really what it is. It's measuring your di- distribution of your starts that meet a certain uh, level of performance that basically steals your team a game. Uh, and over the past three years, the highest is Lundqvist at forty six percent of his starts which is incredible. So 46% of the time he's stealing games for his team, which is incredible. But, you know, if you look at the body of his performance, it kind of makes sense. Number two, Andrew Hammond at 43%. And then distant behind them, just to put it in perspective, I mean, I say distant, but, you know, several percentage points behind them at 40% is Carey Price. So Andrew, Carey Price, Henrik Lundqvist, Andrew Hammond. Yeah, it's I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, him having like fifty starts in that sample is explains why. Of course, it's still it's still, it's still one of those things of where like you can't. It's just weird that there isn't anyone out there that is like, I'm willing to you know just take a flyer on this to see if there really is something there. Like that seems like there are a bunch of teams, as you mentioned, that are in a position, whether it's because of injuries or just because of a dearth of talent, that I, should be making that sort of calculated risk. I mean, why not? If you're LA, why not? Why the hell not? You know, is he going to, what you should, the way you should be looking at it is, is he going to be any worse than the options that we already have? And I think the easy answer for a team like LA is, is no, of course he's not going to be worse than those options. And if you're looking at him as a, as a backup, well, look, he's proven over, you know, two, two seasons that he can carry a backup role and perform well in it. So, you know, is, okay. Yeah. It's a small sample size, but throw him in as your backup and, and see if he can keep it going. Why not? And, and, and if he can't, then move on to the next backup goalie, which you can find within your system or wherever else. And, it, and he's not going to kill the, on cap space or anything else. Um, it, it's certainly worth what little risk there is. So I'm, I'm really surprised that no teams have done it, but that the team that he played for was willing to spend a draft pick on Mike friggin' Condon who I, I you're laughing because condon aren't you <laughs> i'm just no i'm laughing at the entire <laughs> entire uh debacle it just <laughs> it just makes no sense to me mm. i mean if anything condon's proven that he can't he certainly can't carry a starter's role yeah um he hasn't proven anything as a backup so i i don't know i don't know yeah <laughs> anyways uh i'm glad we had that discussion um <laughs> let's talk a little about timely saves uh i think the first time i had you on the show was like around the playoffs and and we uh got into it uh sort of just like ripping apart the sort of talking head uh lingo of just like you know praising oh t- timely saves oh jonathan quick like all these clutch saves it's like every save is in theory timely because it's like you know you're not giving up a goal and that's the objective of the position and there's no like I find it hard to believe that any of these guys are like, you know, bearing down and trying a lot harder. And that's why they're succeeding in these pressure moments. It's like, I feel like they're trying <laughs> to stop the puck at all times because, you know, they're competitive professionals, but also they're paid to do so. But like, 
then it got me thinking, what isn't a timely save? And then I got to thinking about the uh, the 2014-15 Buffalo Sabres when they traded away Michael Neuwirth <laughs> because he was playing too well and replaced him with Chad Johnson, which is pretty funny. And also yeah. even funnier that it turns out Chad Johnson's actually pretty good now. But um, yeah, but, but yeah, and it, and then it kind of got me thinking even further, and I was like. Wow, this is exactly what's going on in uh, in Arizona right now. Because last week, Mike Smith had uh, had two games where he stopped forty of forty two against the Sharks, and then fifty eight of sixty against the Blue Jackets. And uh, you know, I guess you could say that he won the Coyotes two points there because both they, they forced both games into overtime and wound up losing. But uh, I'd mm-hmm. argue he I'd argue he cost the Coyotes two points in those games. He did, yeah, yeah. yeah. He he is not on board with uh, Team Tank. Yeah, he missed the memo. Let's put it that way. Yeah, and and I don't think uh, and you know, Deming hasn't really had a, a great start to his season, but you know he hasn't been absolutely deplorable either. I think I don't think he's uh, he's on Team Tank either. It's so time, it's time to bring back um, Anders Lindback, man. He's got an eight seventy save percentage in the AHL right now. He's, uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's the guy you want. You know, um, it's really funny though, because uh, like, listen, I I don't even pretend to like know a lot about goalie evaluation. I look at sort of like the superficial stuff and try not to focus on on wins and goals against, and try to focus on maybe some more predictable stuff. But like, that's pretty much the extent of my uh, goalie analysis. So I remember when uh, when Arizona actually brought in Lynn back. What was it last last year in the summer or something like that? Yeah, I was like. You know what? I'm perfectly okay with this as like a high upside move because purely because he's, you know, this really tall goalie and they've had success with Mike's doing it with Mike Smith and doing it with Devin Dubnik and then it just wound up not working out at all and kind of showed that uh maybe lazy analysis of that sort probably isn't the maybe. way to go, but but you know, maybe, but, it all, but it does it does it does yeah. speak to the concept of like you you should like they you know they didn't really pay anything for Limbach. Like, why not just take a chance? He wound up not doing anything, and they just cut ties with him for nothing. And they're going to keep kind of recycling these sorts of guys. So that's the way you should be approaching your backup goalie, especially if you're a team that's not really going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, look, it, it, there are, there are actually a lot of goalie analysts that like like or liked Limbach for a long time. I'm pretty proud to say that I'm not one of them. <laughs> I, I, I maybe I got a bias because I'm a short guy, but. Um, I, I just always kind of felt like his game was not even close to suited for the NHL. Um, but with that said, you know, you're right. When, when you're a team that's not really going anywhere and, um, I mean, Hey, take a flyer on a, you know, a tools type, you know, I, I wouldn't call him a prospect, but a tools type guy, see if, well, he's still uh, younger than Kari Ramo at this point. So, no, that's right. Kari Ramo is, uh, you know, an aging veteran now. Um, but you know, you take a you take a flyer with that type of guy. Maybe you get him with the right coach, uh, and and things turn around for him. I don't know. Um, but certainly, you know, in Arizona, they can afford to uh, to screw around with that stuff because I don't think they want to win those games anyway. So, um, you know, it, Mike Smith did this at the end of last season too. He came back um, from his injury, and he had like seven starts or whatever it was and he was lights out in every single one which is <laughs> he's just not uh not on board with with the tank i guess yeah it's it's crazy i mean they're like a they're a 44 percent corsi team this year 37 percent scoring chances and uh mike smith is just like rocking a cool 935 save percentage and just like just <laughs> it's funny I, I, I'm, I'm curious to see if he just goes on the ir with a mysterious lower body injury right. coming up sometime soon <laughs> 
They just yeah, send, they just send him on like a vacation, like all expenses paid. Just go, just go have some drinks in the sun, Mike. Just hang out. Uh, we'll call you when we need you. There was there was the same conspiracy theory going around about the the Cam Ward signing. Mm-hmm. Um, that they were like, well, they're 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 stealth tanking, and yeah. Cam Ward has had like an unbelievable month, and he's actually playing himself into you know being you know at least in the early going, he's yeah he's been he hasn't been a top ten goalie, but he's in that conversation top ten to fifteen so far just based on the past month or so of performance. Um, so that's not going so well for the the stealth tank. Um. I don't know. Maybe they need to. Maybe some of these teams need to just start, you know, reaching down into the ECHL and, you know, call up some uh, future Andrew Hammond. To, yeah. To, <laughs> well, it, yeah. Is, it is funny. I mean, I was definitely a, a big uh, believer in that being why they brought back Cam Ward. Like, obviously, there is a little bit of like loyalty and familiarity and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, it, it did seem just weird, just based on the fact that they were a franchise that seems to sort of have their head on straight and be looking at the right things. And then they just brought back this guy who was like pretty much single handedly submarining everything in front of him. And this year, he's <laughs> he's actually been really good. Like, it's it's funny they're they're team save percentage still isn't that good just because Eddie Lack's been a disaster yeah. but but Ward himself has actually been really good lately and it's it's kind of upsetting because I generally like to like to make fun of Cam Ward and for his bad performances so I've uh I've been I've had to be pretty quiet on, on that front um in the past month or so yeah I mean he's still being Cam Ward like he's always been very unreliable and inconsistent but he's been able to kind of toss out a stretch of of really high-end starts um which i think is screwing any chance of them actually tanking um but making them a halfway a pretty competitive team Mm -hmm. um is it gonna last now it's not gonna last i there have been a few people that said oh i don't know you know he had a he had a kick at the end of last season maybe he figured something out i no i look if I'm wrong on this, please, in, you know, at the end of the season or whenever it is, you can tell me I'm wrong and I will take it like a champ, but I am not a believer in Cam Ward based on, you know, this, this little sample of, uh, of him being, of him being solid. Yeah. We've got, we've got years of him not being good at all. And then 15 to 20 games of him being good. So I'm, I'm going to go with yeah. the, no, uh, he, a couple years. Yeah. Away, but. No. Yeah. No, he, right. he, he figured it all out, Dimitri. He's, he's, yeah, I mean, come on. <laughs> those those stories are the best. I feel like we don't typically get as many of them as in uh, in hockey as we do in like baseball or football. But like, you get all those like, oh, he had the best summer of his life. He's he's in the best shape of his career, and and yeah, and those are always really funny. And then you it's, know, we, we it's get... always after it's always after they perform really well yeah. that then you know they go, oh well, he you know he made this big change. He started watching the puck. You know, it's like. <laughs> these ridiculous stories that come out. Um, yeah. It's, it's kind of annoying because you'd like to, you know, I, I would definitely like to believe that there are instances where, you know, there is some sort of foundational change in whether it's like technique or, or preparation or, or what have you that can improve someone's performance later in their career just because they're approaching their craft differently. But it's like we hear so many of these stories that it just sort of like dilutes it all where there's like for every one that's actually true there's like three or four that are just completely bogus so and then it could just purely like hindsight conjecture so it's like you just never really know what to believe 
Yeah, and you know, I think if you're going to find one of those stories and it's going to be a, a you know a true type of story, you would find it with goalies because you know there are so many kind of different facets of how you can improve performance as a goaltender, not least of which is mental. But um, but even with that being said, look, these guys are professionals. They got to this point. They didn't get to this point just blind luck. They got to this point with intense preparation and, and um, you know, working on their craft constantly. So, um, you know, to get – to get that far into your career and then all of a sudden a light switch goes on, you know, it, it seemed it, it would intuitively make less sense than, you know, a guy who just gradually and continually improves and sees his greatest improvement when he's younger and, and still kind of in, you know, in the formative stage of his career, yeah. uh, as opposed to, you know, when, when he's a seasoned veteran. So I, I wanted to pick your brain on, uh, on Pekka Rene because, um, I was very skeptical of him heading into the season just because despite his uh, hometown all-star uh, nod last year, he wasn't very good. In fact, he was probably mm-hmm. one of uh, one of Nashville's worst regulars. And uh, listen, he's been, he's been really good this year, especially at the start of the year where uh, there wasn't much going right on that team and everyone was sort of, you know, doing their best, like, just like, well, I don't know what's wrong with this team. Is it potentially chemistry issues or what, like what's going on? And for whatever reason, I, I still haven't quite figured out. They just weren't playing that well, whether it was like, yeah. you know, injuries or, or I remember they had like stomach flu running through the team and maybe it just took a while for everything to come together or, or what. But Rene was sort of holding it all together at the start and he's come back down to earth a little bit, but his overall numbers for the year are still pretty good. And I'm just kind of wondering, like, is there anything there or is it just, purely one of those things kind of like we just discussed with Ward where it's like he's put together some nice outings but once we kind of have this discussion again at the end of the year we'll be like we'll be glad we're not fully buying in yeah it's it's that um (laughs) so yeah he had a nice start um he's starting to come back down to earth it's interesting that it coincides with with Nashville playing better um but I don't think there's any correlation between the two in that, you know, I I've heard these stories that Pecorino is a guy who thrives on getting more shots. So he's at his best when Nashville is at their worst. But, you know, I looked at that last season. I looked at it actually for his entire career and that didn't bear out at all. He actually wasn't any better when he was getting more or more difficult shots than he was when he was getting, you know, less or less difficult shots. So that's just not true from a statistical standpoint. Um, I think what is true is that Pecorino certainly in uh, what is a very normal decline for a lot of goalies, which is, you know, kind of the, the steep drop-off decline. And that started um, midway through the season two seasons ago. And then last season, you know, it looked like he kind of cratered last season at some at one point. You know, I don't think he really is as bad as his bottom um, was. Right. But with that being said, he's he's certainly not as good as his his start to this season. He'll probably end up being a below league average goalie by the end of the year. Um, it would really surprise me if you know if he wasn't. I think the only way he would be is if you know he was decent enough to kind of you know so that his overall numbers are, are at least buoyed by this this hot start. But he, it's not. Uh, Look, he, you know, he's 34, right? Mm-hmm. He's 
34 years old. People seem to forget that. Um, yeah, he didn't just kind of figure it out again. (laughs) And there was a lot of, a lot of years there where, you know, either the predators weren't really that good. So they weren't on, on people's minds a lot or what, but like he was playing a lot of games and, and, you know, shouldering a pretty heavy workload. So it's like not one of those things also where it's like, you know, he's like, he's fresh and he's got a lot left. Like he's, He's definitely got some mileage on him, so sort of that. Oh yeah, uh, and t- tons of injuries. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. He he had some real bad injuries, so you know. The thing that you know, just kind of spinning it forward, like for the Predators, uh, who pretty clearly fancy themselves as a Stanley Cup contender, and w- and with it, with reason, they have a really good roster. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, there, there's very few deficiencies, both on uh, up front and on the blue line. But like, I think what will do them in. Uh, if something does them in will be the goaltending. And I just think like, I wonder if, you know, if he came out struggling this year and really kind of followed up faltering last year as well with another really bad performance early on, whether they'd be more likely to give a a larger share of starts to a guy like UC Soros. And now that he's played well, they might kind of convince themselves into thinking that he really has fixed whatever's wrong. And like, I think that's just a a bad way to approach it because I, I do think that, you know, the ceiling for this team will be with UC Saros and that just purely based on like, not that I've scouted him a lot or anything, but I mean, you just look at his player page and he's, he's basically, great. He's basically been really, really good everywhere he's played. Yeah. And that's like, that's why I was high on Petr Mrazek, even aside from, you know, how delightful he was to watch at the world junior tournament. It's like, if this guy's been really good at every place he's played, I'm, I don't. I see no reason why he's not going to be really good at this next one as well. So I think like they'd be well served to see what they have in sorrows this year and give him some more run. I know they've sort of like been yo-yoing back and forth and bringing him up for the occasional spot start, but like I think that this team could win a cup and but they're going to need a good goalie to do that. And uh, I feel like Soros is a much better bet at this point than Rene is. Yeah, you know we can we can always kind of throw out we it makes sense to always. You know, throughout the the caveat that um, past professional or past junior performance doesn't necessarily correlate to NHL success, blah yes. blah 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 blah. Yeah. But with that said, I'm I am more than willing to take stock in w- when a guy you know like a Mrazek who he had some you know it was something crazy like he'd never been below point nine two zero or something like that. Uh, overall save percentage at any stop in his entire career that's impressive um and so you know if he's on that trajectory of becoming an nhl starter and you look at that you go hey i i do want to take some stock in the fact that this guy has just been able to compete at a very high level anywhere you put him um so let's see if he can do that at the nhl level because that's his next stop i think the same goes for Saros. Um, he has been ultra competitive, uh, if not elite at every single stop that he's been on. Mm-hmm. He's risen through the ranks just like he should, you know, he did it in the AHL, uh, last year. Um, so, you know, now I think is the time to start giving him more starts at the NHL level and see if he can continue to do it. Now they're not really taking that approach with him. Um, they're taking the approach of let's, um, continue to season him, I guess, um, in the AHL and let's not, you know, push him at the NHL level. I think, I think you got to start giving him more of a share of starts at the NHL level and drawing back on the number of starts that Rene is getting. Cause you're absolutely right. We kind of know now at this point that Rene is definitely on the decline. If you're looking at this season, 
I would say that Soros has at least as high of a ceiling as Rene currently has, if not higher. Um, I think beyond that is, is, is an unknown, but at the very least, you're preparing a guy to become the starter in a season or two. Yep. Uh, you're certainly not going to do him justice by giving him, you know, what, what's he gotten? I think two or three starts so far this season or mm-hmm. two or three appearances so far this season. Yep. Get him in there a little bit more, you know, give him some time and, and see if towards the end of the year, maybe he's their Matt Murray, you know, I don't know. Um, but, but you got to at least give him a shot. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. Um, all right, one final thing before we get out of here. I, th- I thought it'd be kind of a fun exercise um, to put ourselves in the shoes of of, uh, of George McPhee and the team that's going to be uh, putting together the, <laughs> the Vegas Golden Knights and sort of how we'd approach uh, the situation in net because they're going to have uh, a lot of options just based on just based on how the uh, the protection rules are going to go, and they can go a number of different ways. Where you know they can go with some younger options, some higher upside guys, and maybe see if they can like hit a home run and 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 build their team that way. Or there's going to be a bunch of these guys available, whether it's Howard, like we talked about, or Ben Bishop, or Mark Andre Fleury, or or who have you, that are sort of we know what they are, and they're probably going to be at least decent and. They're also kind of brand names, so I don't know that necessarily, you know, anyone's going to be, and anyone in Vegas is going to be like, well, I'm getting season tickets because I really want to watch Marc-Andre Fleury this year, but it is sort of, you know, a, a name brand yeah. type of player. So I'm kind of curious, like, if you're if you're building Vegas, which way are you going? Are you kind of maybe thinking, you know, you get one of these reliable guys to potentially be your starter early on and then take an upside flyer on a guy like Eunice Corpusalo or whatever, or like, which way are you doing it? Yeah, that's, you know, it's a tough question because yeah, I think you're – just everything coming out of Las Vegas right now makes me think that they're going to take a name brand guy if they can, mm-hmm. you know, down to like they were talking about who's going to be, you know, who's going to be coaching, who's going to be doing this. And they've they've come right out and said like, no, we're getting a guy that has lots of experience. Yeah. Like we're not screwing around with something new or different. I think that – they, they would take the same approach with a, a starting goaltender. I, I could definitely see a Marc-Andre Fleury being the guy. Um, uh, I don't know who else is out there that would fit that bill. Um, I guess, you know, I, I, I mean, I don't know. Well, I mean, like a guy like Bishop. Can't, can't, yeah, Bishop would fit that bill. Yeah. Yeah, Jimmy I mean, Howard. Like, there's, there's, there's guys Howard, available. I yeah. feel like a lot of these teams, especially the ones, I mean, you know, Mrazek and 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 Vasilevsky, like they have guys that they like more that are coming up on their way. So they would, they would gladly. Obviously, Bishop's an impending free agent, so he doesn't necessarily fit the bill. But like, yeah, he doesn't. Know, they yeah. like sort of like get that contract off their books, anyways, since that guy's probably not in their future plans. So it makes sense that it would kind of be a mutually beneficial thing. So. I'm kind of curious. Yeah, it definitely feels like they There's, are going to go sort of trend older. So Jimmy Howard's got he's got another two seasons on his contract. Yep. Um, I could see him, especially if he. I mean, if he can. T- well, we'll see. You know, with injuries or whatever, but um, I could see a Jimmy Howard being a candidate there as a starter. Mm-hmm. Um, I could definitely. Obviously, I think Mark Andre Fleury is is a candidate, if not the favorite, to be the starter. I, I would love to see them take, you know, not so much a flyer, but but a smart pick on an unprotected prospect that maybe another team is undervaluing. You mentioned Corpusalo, I think that's a great candidate, but I don't know that um I don't know that the that um 
they're going to let him necessarily get away. Mm-hmm. Um, Columbus, although I, you know, I don't know internally what they what they think of him. I think things have changed with Tortorella in place. Um, you know, you've seen Bobrovsky has certainly, you know, taken the load, and they've they haven't moved Corpusell out of their plans, but they've moved him into back into you know getting seasoning, mm-hmm. which I think he's beyond that point. I think he, last year proved he he can play at the NHL level, and he should be playing at the NHL level, right. um, but. He'd be an interesting candidate. There's some other guys out there like that. It would be interesting to see if they they get protected or not. Um, you know, or they could take some goofball, you know, like a Hutchinson or something, being like, oh no, he'd make a great backup. He's taken a starter's role in the past, not realizing that he was total crap as a you know as a starter or even splitting time. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I never uh, I never want to. Um, you know, underestimate um, silliness when it comes to how you determine what goalie uh, you should use when you're a front office because <laughs> it seems like there's a lot of it. So, yeah. oh, they really bring in Peter Budai because he has that winning mentality. There you go. Peter Budai kept uh, the LA Kings afloat until uh, Quick came back. So now he deserves a chance to, you know, play in Vegas. Yeah. And that's what we call bringing things full circle, my man. That's, uh, that's why I'm a broadcasting <laughs> professional here. Um, right. Nick, Nick plug, plug some stuff, man. Um, where can people find you online? What are you working on? All that jazz. So uh, you can find me on Twitter at nmercad, N-M-E-R-C-A-D. Um, I am working on a whole slew of goalie stuff that I really, really got to write about. And I know it's broken record at this point, but um, I, I do uh, stuff with the Hockey Grass folks. Um, and I also did want to plug, well, I want to plug a couple other things. Um, first, uh, I just wanted to give a plug to, um, Carolyn Wilkie. Um, she's everywhere. She's on Twitter, hockey graphs, um, today Slapshot. but she puts out great work and great graphs and visual visualizations and things like that. So I like to, uh, give her a shout out. She's a good follow. And then also, um, Mike fail, What's Mike's last real last name? Does he not want people to know it, or is it actually fail? I hope it's actually fail. <laughs> everyone knows Mike. Everyone, I feel like everyone right. listening to this knows Mike. Everybody knows Mike. He's the internet's number one uh, good content boy. Mm-hmm. He uh, he is he is doing a fundraiser for uh, the ASPCA. He's putting together a bunch of shirts and different merchandise. Yep. Um, he may be doing it for a number a number of other charities as well. Um, but he comes up with some really cool designs and stuff. Um, so if you're interested, his Twitter handle is uh, Mike Fail, and um, he uh, I think he's I think he's eventually going to put a link up, but you can find his stuff on on Twitter. Yeah, I got to get me one of those uh, good computer boys. Uh, yes, yes, it's uh, it's on brand. No, I definitely uh, agree with both those recommendations, and I feel like you coming on this show and. Uh, mentioning articles that you're having the works is like one of those sitcoms where it's like there's a character that never actually appears on screen and they just keep mentioning it like just referencing it but it's never actually so shown who that is i feel like that's uh that's your articles yeah it, some people have gotten on my case and said well you know with the amount of time that you spend on podcasts like dimitri's podcast you could have written a few articles by now but yeah. uh, i have a lot more fun you know, talking hockey than I do actually sitting down and writing about it. I feel like that's work. Yeah, this ba- I mean, this is basically an audio book. So there, there you go. Yeah, that's cool. it. All right, Nick. Uh, it was a blast, man. We'll get you back on soon. Um, and uh, and yeah, thanks for coming on the chat. All right, thank you. 
the Hockey PDOcast with Dmitry Filipovich. Follow on Twitter at Dim Filipovich and on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash hockey PDOcast. Thank you.